The Everyman Podcast, the place where real men talk. Good evening and welcome to the Everyman Podcast, the podcast where the everyday men talk about some of the challenges that we all face on a day-to-day basis. Now, tonight we have a very special guest. We have James Lindsay, a brand new author, speaking about his own experience with psychosis and the challenges that he's overcome in his life and where he is today. So, boys, how are we feeling tonight? With our very, very special guest, James, a brand new author. Yeah, I'm buzzing. Um, I think it's definitely something that all three of us here can relate with, what he's been through. And yeah. I, I can't wait to to pick his brain and see what he has to say. Yeah, I'm, I'm right. looking forward to seeing Job get as close to the mic the whole rest of the night. Oh, you like this? Yeah. yeah I was oh, laughing yeah. at that as well, because Job Job's playing hide-and-seek behind the mic. It's the big yeah, nose. I was wanting it to it. go away. Yeah. Also, welcome back, Joby. You've been away for a while. You've been thank you. Thank you. Yeah, just hectic. Baby, yeah. work, everything just completely hectic. Yeah. So it's nice to be back, boys. It's nice to exactly. be back. But I think we've got an interesting guest this week. And I think there's a lot of questions that we can uh, ask to help help a lot of people. I have a feeling yeah, you hope... might have a lot of questions. Oh, do you? Yeah, I've got a, I've got got a, a feeling, feeling on that one. Chris Job has got a lot of questions for this. All guest, right, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. You've, been, you've been saving them up for the weeks that you've not been here. It, I feel like for this episode, you might uh, you might just take the first half of this episode and ask every single question. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, so. oh, it's, it's, it's the Chris Job experience, is it? It's okay. Chris, the Chris well, experience. welcome to the non-everyman. This is the Chris Job experience. You're on with me tonight, your host, Chris Job. Um, forget about the other two. They were ugly anyways. So it's fine. You're with me now. Um, no, let's not do that. That would be the least listened to podcast on this earth. So let's stick to the everyman. Yeah. yeah. I, I think... wonder how many words I'll get in this uh, podcast, Lou. I'm I'm how many times I'll speak this podcast? Try I'll speak more um... than two? Are you going to do Dean tonight? Are you are you playing the role of Dean? <laughs> I'll play the role of Dean on mute all night. You're going to play the. But I wish Dean would be on mute half the time. That's the thing. Because wow. normally he's just doing this. Wow. He's touching his face. Just doing... he's... Yeah. Oh, his dog's coming in. Oh, his wife's cooking kitchen <laughs> and the food or something. There's always Please, something going on. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. Shall we bring James in? I think now mm. seems like a great time to catch up with James. James, how are you doing tonight? Yeah, I'm doing really good. Thanks, buzzing to be on your podcast. Thanks very much for having me. No, we are super grateful to have you on. Um, do you mind just telling the guests a little bit about who you are and um, a little bit around some of the work that you've done before? Yeah, sure. So um, I'm 32 and I live in, in Watford in Hertfordshire um, in a yeah. flat with my fiance and um for a day job, I do. Uh, I'm in the marketing team at a mental health charity called Hertfordshire Mind Network. And um, outside of that, I, I try and do as much as I can, um, like sharing my lived experience of mental illness through like podcasts and blogs and things like that. And um, yeah, as you kindly mentioned, the the book which um, came out last year, uh, sorry, last week. Um, I said last it's year. It's been a long year. Uh, yeah, it's been a long yeah. year. Um, <laughs> 
yeah it's called befriending my brain so it's um mm. something i'm trying to share just to help others because um i used to be quite closed up about mental health and not talk about it and i only started opening up because i started reading someone's book so i'm hoping to kind of maybe do the same to someone else if that makes sense hmm. no i like that actually um I, I really like the title i think it really um sort of gives an impression of like you opening up especially um mm -hmm. which I know, i'm sure we'll talk more about the book in a second um but i do think it does actually sort of give a good experience of what's to come with, within the book as well um so yeah thank you i think it'll be be interesting to hear the story a bit more um james if you don't mind us asking with your personal experience i know the book probably explains a lot of that um but i know a lot of us on the podcast have had problems with mental health and depression and stuff like that but i know yours is slightly different um you don't mind explaining exactly um how you came to writing the book sort of what led up to that and and your experiences through life that sort of led you towards you know writing the book yeah of course um i'll try and cover it all and and uh, not go off topic but i'll try and start <laughs> with, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah um so i had anxiety like kind of as a teenager and young adult and then i was in my mid-20s um this was 2016 and uh a relationship breakup um resulted that that was like the kind of catalyst that kind of triggered it and um i had a psychotic episode so hmm. um psychosis which resulted in uh being sectioned and having to spend four weeks on a psychiatric ward um yeah. which is very difficult and traumatic but it was necessary at the time because i was very very unwell um and it it wasn't just the four weeks kind of living in a ward that was hard it was like the aftermath of that was hard and it took mm. a long time for me to kind of find my voice but um i eventually did in 2018 when i kind of started reading other people's stories which led to me uh doing blogging and i got some really really nice feedback from doing that and i kind of gained the writing bug and then the blogging was where i discovered another blogger being a, a published author and then i kind of looked up the publisher was like a specialist mental health publisher and that was like the eureka moment i guess where i kind of thought oh i've got enough material and experience to kind of start a book um so yeah i i started writing it in 2018 and i finished i, I sent off the last uh, version of it kind of uh middle of last year 22 so wow it was like, yeah it was like an on and off project like i yeah i didn't have any sort of deadline or pressure or anything so mm. i wasn't like continuously writing for four years mm. i'd sort of dip in and out but <laughs> yeah it's nice to have it out at last i, I think go on joe no, no, it's fine. I was just going to say, I think, um, especially as well with with that type of thing, um, with the experiences you've probably had as well, you know, writing the book probably, I, I don't know about you, but I have like what I call a personal diary that I write for like, you know, when I feel certain ways or when I can remember certain things that have happened that have triggered us with my mental health and anxiety. And I know reading back sometimes on those things, it can kind of reset my mind to think like how far I've come but also bring back memories of what had happened and I imagine writing the book you know taking that amount of time probably 
was good as well in the fact of, you know, not putting too much pressure on yourself or potentially sort of, you know, reading things that may potentially have sort of been sensitive for yourself in the future. I don't know if you feel the same way, but I know myself personally, like I said, especially going through experiences where um, in the past I've wanted to take my own life and stuff like that. If I've read back on that or something like that, it, it shows us how far I've came, but it also at the same time has that air of, you know, a caution of, oh, I remember being in that position, you know, um, and putting that from, you know, your mind to pen must also be quite hard to do uh, if you don't mind us asking no of course it's um a kind of mixed thing in terms of like i mm. find the writing very therapeutic because um mm. especially like i think in general if you're very anxious or worried about something if you write something mm. down it almost like normalizes it and transfers mm. the feeling literally from your head to the the paper or the the word document or however you're writing it but um it was quite hard actually like because i was writing about being sectioned and stuff like mm. um it was hard to kind of search back into those really traumatic times in my past and mm. and kind of extract information but it, it helped me process it and come to terms with it definitely but there were some days where i'd sort of write for half an hour and yeah. then i'd feel like really like drained and like my head was fuzzy and I had to just kind of stop yeah. doing it and just watch a happy TV show or something. <laughs> like, I get that. Like, I get that. Yeah. And say like that's yeah, it yeah. for today. Like, I need to, you know, that's Have enough and then start again another time. Yeah. No, that 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 that's really um I think that's really important that through recovery it's not to stay within that mindset. So I've had counselling for, for, for certain things in the past. And whilst counselling is like super, super effective, I, I got loads out of it. And I suppose this podcast is also an element of, of therapy for me. I, I know Ethan's talked about that himself, that the ability to talk and open up about our feelings. I also find it it can be quite dangerous, as you say, to stay in that mentality and, and not have that time to step away from mm. those dark feelings, because I think it can almost suck you back in. Um, there is one thing I, I wanted to ask James actually. So, so you mentioned that when you ha had your sort of your, your bigger episode, you were in your your mid twenties. Now, is mental health something you struggled with growing up as as a youngster, as a teenager, or do you think you didn't really identify what it was? Yeah, so I was very anxious teenager, like at secondary mm -hmm. school. Um, I took like what everyone said very seriously and like I was very like an overthinker and like I'd go as far as going to reception and like asking to get my parents to pick me up and like I'd fake like a, a panic attack or something because I was just so mm. anxious about school um, yeah. and like, back then there wasn't really any discussion around mental health and like, I didn't even know what I had was anxiety. And then, like, I remember being my in my early twenties, and someone suggesting I had it, and like, I was almost kind of offended, and like, wanted to kind of like, mm. be like, oh, I, no, I don't have that. Like, I'm just, and I, uh, when I got ill, like, that was, like, I didn't really have any awareness around mental illness at all. Like, it mm. was only mm -hmm. kind of in my recovery that I really kind of opened my mind to it. Um, so it was, yeah, I'm very different now 
compared to like before the first episode, mm. I'd say. James, just uh, just touching on that as well, mate. Um, obviously, I appreciate you sharing. Obviously, that that's something major, um, and obviously, it's, it's quite private as well. So, I appreciate you sharing that. Um, looking back to to when you were younger, and obviously, you said you've learned more now as opposed to before what happened. Did you ever sort of try and explore those feelings or speak to family members or friends or anything like that at the time? Or is it more something that you're doing now? Because, I mean, speaking from personal experience, I've mentioned on the podcast previously, you know, I've, I've struggled a lot with uh, my mental health and my weight is a big factor of that, you know, and it's affected relationships. Um, but I was lucky enough to have sort of a mother who was always there and would always be like a rock and she would try and work this, the, the issues out with me. And I just want to see if that was something you would try with people when you were younger or if, if not when you were younger, since obviously what's happened, do you talk a lot or how do you get through it or, or besides writing it, writing it down? Yeah, so I was lucky growing up, I had a really good support network. Like my mum and dad, mm. I, I felt like I could talk to them about anything. And I, I did like kind of share when I was struggling. Um, so it was good. And mum always kind of installed in me the whole philosophy of like problem shared is problem halved and mm. um it's very simple but it's very effective and true like to this day and yeah. um I think I was lucky like in terms of the friends I made in sixth form and at university I I, I got along with them so well like um and I again I felt like I could speak to them about really anything um so I felt kind of blessed to meet those people and you know have a, a group of friends where like, you can have a laugh together and you can take the mick out of each other but also chat about anything so like and i think we're better at it now as well like since i've had my since i like started doing blogs and stuff like i've had a mate sort of say to me like when we're like in the car just the two of us like oh your blog was really good and then he'd opened up to me about his like counseling and stuff which like i had no idea he was doing um yeah so yeah it's amazing like what it leads to and like how the conversations kind of open up themselves it's like it's like been really helpful yeah i, I just from my own personal experience i think the the hardest thing is to talk but but because it, it's taking it from your own mind to out of your own mind and and, and it almost feels like i remember when i first spoke about some of the things that i've struggled with in my life and it's gone from in your head where you process it and you think, no, I'm okay. I'm going to be all right. Like mm. there's nothing actually a matter. It's just a little bit of stress or a little bit of anxiety or whatever that might be. And, and that's how my head was processing it. But then you speak to other people and it's not necessarily just how good it made me feel. It's actually then encouraging my friends to open up and speak about their own mm. experiences too. And I, I, I've got so much out of that as a person speaking to Job, Ethan, and, and the other guys involved in the podcast, to be able to say, one, it's giving me a lot of healing speaking up, but actually, as you've said, you've opened up on your situation, and the power of you being honest and open about your feelings mm. has then encouraged your own friend actually to then to speak up too. And and if we can deliver any message in the podcast, I think that would be it. Just yeah. just speak up, talk, because it. You might not think that your stress or struggles are, are that bad, depending on what where you, you're at with it, but your friend might be struggling. And I, and I think that's a really mm. key message that we really need to, to, to make clear. Yeah, definitely. I totally agree. And that, 
if you don't mind us asking actually james as well um I have a question in regards to when you were sectioned. Was um, that voluntary or was that something where you were sort of led into it? Uh, and what what sort of was the key turning point of either yourself, you know, saying, look, I need to do something about this, or, for example, um, someone stepping in and saying, look, something like needs to be done about that. Yeah, because I've known when I was at my lowest, it took my partner to actually recognise before I recognized, if that made sense. Um, and I feel mm. like it's such a big thing that, like, kind of like Lewis just said there, a lot of people just play it off as, you know, I'll just forget about it. I'll not sort of face it head on, if that makes sense. Um, and I don't know if it's statistically true. I would have to search it up. But I feel like when caught early, mental health can be dealt with a lot better than when it's bottled up and bottled up and bottled up to the point of where for me personally i had a blowout which obviously could have been intervened earlier so mm -hmm. if you don't mind opening up and if, if you don't it's absolutely fine i don't want to overstep the line or anything but uh, it would be great to to understand was it something that you recognized yourself or was that something where it was an intervention what kind of took you to realize how far it had got mm -hmm. um yeah if you don't mind it was definitely an intervention so like mm. i'd broken up with my ex-partner and i was um living with parents again and mm. uh it was my mum who's been a rock the whole time like who spotted that i wasn't well and i was completely in denial like i thought there was mm. nothing wrong with me whatsoever and um she insisted i went to the gp um and then the gp saw me and there was a bit of a wait to be seen by the mental health team which was um frustrating because i was like in a state of crisis um and we had to like well my mom and dad had to sort of contain me and it was within those two weeks like wait where i was um they had to call an ambulance because my like behavior was like so concerning and um mm. the ambulance took me to the hospital and then they um assessed me there and then i was sectioned there so it they yeah. took me in to the ward so it was not mm. it wasn't voluntary um it was like a um necessity really because yeah I, I was, yeah all over the place and um had to be the intervention that had to happen and mm. and it's absolutely true what you say about um the early intervention the better um mm. and that's very true with psychosis is um mm. the earlier the treatment the 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 less I don't know how to, how to articulate it, but like the less shorter severe. the recovery, the, yeah, the, yeah, the, oh, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, the chance yeah, of, maybe not the of coming back, from recovery, it. but like the mm. yeah, it, you can come back from it. There's more chance of coming back from it if you're yeah, seeing yeah. yeah, so a little bit on the psychosis side of things, I, I know especially this day and age, mental health is becoming more and more talked about. So it's a very, if I was to have a family member or a friend, they could recognize the signs early of anxiety or depression because it is very talked about. I mean, it still probably needs more conversation, which is kind of why we wanted to start this podcast. Um, but what sort of early signs or triggers would you say were the symptoms that you were um experiencing and what would you say just in case there's any listeners out there who maybe like yourself you said you didn't really 
like think there was anything wrong or in denial, let's say, in terms of the words you used, if someone mm. was out there in a similar position, what would be the telltale signs of maybe that they are experiencing this or maybe that they do need to look towards early intervention themselves? Because like you've just said there, getting that early intervention could be the difference of recovery versus non-recovery. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so talking, talking very fast, um, mm. not making much sense and like jumping from one subject to the other. Um, mm. And also you can get like delusions and hallucinations, mm. which are like kind of in your mind that you believe um mm. but which actually in reality aren't real yeah. so like i i so thought scary. i was going, oh yeah it, it's yeah i wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy is what i always say because yeah. it's like terrifying but yeah. um i i thought i was getting messages from tv and the radio and internet um right. and some people um but another thing i i had was i thought i was getting messages from the weather as well as bizarre as that sounds but no it's not some bizarre. People, i get that yeah I've, I've heard others like who've been in psychosis and maybe they're a bit religious they think like god's talking mm. to them yeah um and like thinking you can read other people's minds mm. um it's quite it's one of those things it's quite unique to the person even though mm. there's kind of more like similar or maybe more common mm. things you can look out for like it's no two episodes of psychosis are the same oh. um it yeah it affects i believe it affects one in 100 people but wow what, what i what i what i um find with it is that even though that is like one percent it's like a, a small amount it, it has the, mm. anyone can suffer from it like you just need to mm. be sleep deprived so oh really yeah sleep deprived deprived. yeah yeah so that's like what did it for me but i think it can also be induced by by like um drugs as well Mm. um so yeah it's one of those things sorry i've definitely heard of that no apologies i I did speak over you slightly there i I have heard of psychosis as in like psychedelic drugs i think that's as about as confidence i could be talking about it and, mm. and i've never heard it described how you've just described it there as in you aren't on any external substance but your brain and the chemicals in your brain due to lack of sleep are mm. essentially tricking your is that your consciousness is that your um just your general like are you physically seeing things are you yeah actually hearing things or is and it's the brain just tricking your conscious yeah. part of your brain is that generally what it is it can be yeah you so you can actually see things which aren't there and you can hear things which mm. don't exist wow. um and it's it's because like i think when you you sleep the brain repairs itself so when mm. you haven't been doing that for consecutive nights you've got a, a broken brain which isn't functioning mm. um the chemicals must be like all over the place yeah um yeah it's funny that you mentioned that actually because I was watching TikTok the other day um, and there was actually a a lady who I believe must have been going through the same. She'd just been sectioned, um, but she had birds that were following her 
she thought like every bird that she's seen in the streets and everything what like going to attack her basically um and she ended up getting sectioned herself personally and i thought it was quite an interesting she filmed it on tiktok of what was happening and how it was going and it it really just made me think of how powerful the mind is Mm -hmm. Uh, because everyone thinks of weight and looking after yourself healthy and you know eating the right stuff and all of this exercise and obviously that is needed and obviously that's part of what will keep you healthy but Mm -hmm. the mind is just as powerful especially for myself i know my personal experience a lot of my anxiety is due to like um health worries like i convince myself that i've got like extreme health conditions um and i will essentially start feeling physical pains so one of my attacks will be like i'll start getting like tingles down the side of left side of my face and shooting pains down my arm which is essentially what you get with a heart attack or a, a or a stroke or something like that but i physically feel the pain and i've spoke to a doctor about this and obviously it is genuinely just the mind recreating that pain and and, and the belief of feeling that pain gives the physical sensation which i found was insane because when i first when i first experienced it uh, i was only young i was about 16 um and i remember the first time that my face going numb and the shooting pains and as you can appreciate not knowing anything about anxiety you know back then it wasn't sort of heavily spoke about i'm panicking i, I run straight up to my mom's um room and i genuinely thought i was having a heart attack especially being a bigger lad you know what i mean so um i ended up going to hospital having an ecg and stuff to someone turn around and just saying oh you've just had a panic attack but i'm sat there like i, I don't feel like i've just had a panic attack i feel like i've just had a heart attack mm-hmm. and i think that is the very first time i've experienced and what hit hard with what you've just said there is about the power of the brain being able to sort of give physical sensations physical um things that you can see around you like sensations interpretations yeah yeah Yeah. exactly and and i think that's something that a lot of people don't speak about um and probably should also be more more aware of which which leads us into the next question i actually wanted to ask you james which was just to talk a bit more about your actual book itself um if you don't mind sort of explaining what it's about um in more detail if that's all right and also sort of what the goal is for the why. why you wrote why, it. why yeah. you why you wrote the book yeah yeah cool uh sure so um so at its core it's a it's a memoir so it's a story it's kind of like it covers briefly my upbringing but mainly it goes straight into the the first psychosis i had and like the ups and downs of recovering from that and then I also had a relapse in 2019, so it covers mm. that. Um, so it's, it's a very kind of up and down roller coaster story, but it's not just that story. It's a, I kind of uh, describe it as a self help book as well because it's got like mm. lots of extras in it. So it's got like chats with my um, my mum, my fiance, and my uh, one of my best friends. It's got like mm. some of my actual doctor's notes in it. It's got um, a lot of recommendations, like from me, in the form of lists. So it's got like recommended um, 
podcasts actually um music social media handles to follow J- james um, i do just have to say that you wrote the book before the podcast our <laughs> podcast was made so that's why we didn't make the book <laughs> all right <laughs> it's um it was funny because there was like a cutoff point as well with the publisher yeah where like mm-hmm. so it'd be, it'd be finished it'd be done and then i'd discover something i'll be like can i just add one more thing to this list like one more song or one more podcast and yeah, it's yeah. Quite, yeah hard are you sure it's going. not too late are you sure it's not too late <laughs> what, what's the name the, the ebook <laughs> yeah um yeah um so it, yeah i'm it, it the point of it is to to help people like because yeah i i my it was a game changer for me when i read my first like mental illness memoir that made me open up mm. um and like the publisher i'm with calls it like bibliotherapy which i think is quite a cool word it's like the idea Mm. where you're kind of it's like a self-therapy where you're like you're reading and you're making yourself feel better um Mm. yeah it's the the main aim of it is to help people like to raise awareness and reduce stigma um and Mm. like help people avoid things like psychosis but also Mm. for people that it's already happened to them to kind of give them hope that you know the recovery is always possible Mm. um so yeah i hope it does fulfill those things i'm sure it will just from speaking to you i mean yeah, i don't want to say like I, I don't want to say that you're my therapist now but this has been an amazing <laughs> chat like just to have that moment with you to see like it's nice always to see that you're not alone as well in terms of mental health especially it, it makes you i don't want to say i don't feel normal but a lot of the time i've always something i always used to say to myself is why aren't i normal do you know what I mean? And it's nice to see that, you know, it's not all just Instagram and Facebook where everyone's having amazing times all the time and you're sitting there thinking, well, why am I sitting here having episodes and attacks and all that kind of other stuff? So it's, it is actually really nice to be able to sort of see that other people go through it. And I think a lot of people will benefit from your book, especially being able to read about the experiences and being able to relate. I think that's something that is priceless. You know, it's something yeah. that you can't mm. you can't take for granted. Um, so I'm I'm really glad that we had the opportunity to be able to speak about it as well with you today because it's um, amazing. Thank you. As far as Ethan, I know you've had a lot of experiences through your life, and like you said, a lot of friends and stuff like that who've who've went through a lot yourself. Um, it would be great to see your opinions on on the topic as well, Ethan, because I know you've got a lot of share on this. Um, mm-hmm. And I think the listeners would actually benefit from a lot of your story as well. Um, and it would be great for James to be able to hear a bit more about that as well. Yeah, no, definitely. And, you know, I, I totally agree with what James is saying. You know, I've, I've been listening the whole way through and um, something I've learned from a book I read not long ago, The Chimp Paradox, which I'm probably going to butcher here, but a lot of your thoughts are stored at the, the front of your brain. I'm just going to dumb it down for everyone. And uh, <laughs> it's, it's a lot of it. You're doing a great job, brain. mate. You're doing a like great by, job. And by, <laughs> and by writing writing these thoughts down, you're pretty much taking the pressure off the front of your brain so it doesn't explode. Something along mm. those lines. That's, that's me butchering it. But no, the, the fact that you wrote it down, and obviously, as Joe mentioned, Joby mentioned, um, by you sharing your experience and putting down, obviously, I know you've shared Dr. Notes you, you mentioned as well, which is quite private. If one thing out of that book, Similar to this podcast, if one thing can help one person, you know, you've done a, a fantastic job, an amazing job. 
And if all else, you know, I mean, you've done something amazing for yourself because you've took the pressure off yourself moving forward. Um, you know, personally, my my struggles are, are different in the aspect of um, weight. Weight's a big issue for me, and you know, I've I've never sort of diaried or journaled things down. You know, I've I've spoken mm. to to people um, similar to yourself and and Joey and and, and Lewis through BetterHelp, which is an app like an organisation they offer. Um, like therapy sessions and it's not like the NHS where you're on a massive waiting list you're just speaking to regular people who are qualified and you can mm. share a lot with them you know I have tried the NHS route which you know I would always encourage people to speak to their doctors and um, and go down that avenue you know I've, I've tried pills I've tried medication for me it medication didn't really work because obviously it again it mm. goes back to altering the, the chemicals in your brain and it there's an imbalance in the, the medications meant to try and balance it forcefully and I think that just blunts sort of the, the objects and the, the tools you've got to your exposal. So like you say, talking, whether that's the friends, the family, you know, I've got a fantastic, you know, like I mentioned, my mom was great. We've not always seen eye to eye, but she's, she's an absolute rock. Um, I'm lucky enough mm. to have this podcast as, you know, I can speak to the, these lads and obviously guests like yourself, James. Um, but also I've got an amazing support network, you know, my friends, Rob, Ryan, Matty, you know, all those sort of people, Lewis, people like that who aren't afraid to have difficult conversations. And yeah, we take the piss out of each other, I'm not going to lie, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and my pal and Richie, you know, I feel like loves... that's part of it. That's part of oh, it. Oh, no, yeah. definitely. Like, and, and he seeks solace in that because, like, one of my best pals, Richie, his first thing, you know, if, if, if we have a bit of a tiff is to call us fat. Um, and I don't mind that because it's, it's a joke and, it's, and the way he says it's funny, you know. Yeah. Um, you, you'll make funny comments of it, and I'd rather that than someone be derogatory and call us like a fat bastard or something. That's so. So there's a there's a lot going round, and you've got to give what you can take. But you know, hat, mm. hats off to you, James, because it is a real sort. Of, I couldn't do what you've done. I couldn't write it down, and I couldn't share those experiences. I'm I'm doing it by the podcast, but the completely kettle of fish. And I mean, James, just just what I've got you. Um, I know. I've not really got a word in Edgeway, thanks to Joby being back. But, <laughs> oh, thanks. Yeah, thanks. I've <laughs> felt exactly just, the same, Ethan. Yeah. All right, I'll just, just sit just, down. Don't worry, I'll just yeah. sit back. <laughs> thanks, pal. Thanks, pal. Um, but Chris, just, uh, Chris, I'll, I'll, yeah, you take a back to you. James, um, oh, no just, yeah, just for, for us as well, you were saying you read a lot, obviously, when you, yeah. obviously, that sort of swift flick the switch. And you were reading books, and what, what, if you don't mind sharing, can you give us or any of our listeners or watchers any sort of books you've read? I know I've mentioned the Chimp Paradox, is something I've read. Uh, uh, anything that you would recommend to our listeners, or that helped you? Yeah, so the one, the game changer I mentioned earlier, it's called um, Let Me Be Frank by Frank Bruno, who used to be a boxer, and uh, he's been had a lot of um, mental illness struggles after his boxing career was over um so that was a, a really eye-opening read for me really very relatable and um that was really good I've also read a few books from an author called Matt Haig um one of his his most famous book is called um reasons to stay alive um and it's kind of like memoir style book but like because he almost um he tried to take his own life and it's like him kind of recovering from that and um it's a really incredible book um and again like it made me it kind of was one of my inspirations of to try and be an author um 
there's one by Bryony Gordon called Mad Girl. Um, I think she it's by yeah. I'm trying to remember correctly. I'm pretty sure she has bipolar disorder, mm. um, and it's like her like kind of learning how to deal with that. Um, I guess those three are like ones that come to my head first, but I guess they were also some of my early ones, which kind of gave me so much comfort and made me feel less alone and just, yeah, they're, they're really good books to read. So I'd recommend them. Mm. Brilliant. Thank you, James. I appreciate that. And like finding solace in, in not only writing your thoughts down, but sort of also learning from other people, like you've mentioned there, you've got sort of people like everyday people like ourselves, which is, which is who we are trying to help. And, but you've also got the elite of the elite, you know, Frank obviously doing his book and, and the struggles he went through, you know, obviously Tyson Fury was someone as well recently who went through it all. So, you know, I mean, it, it, it's such, there's such a wide audience. It does show that um, mental health is not just for the every man, you know, it, it is literally everybody. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and you're right. Just sort of breaking, breaking down barriers is what we're, we're here to do. So I appreciate that, James. Thank you. I'll let, I'll let Joby go back to his. All right, I'm, back. Well. I'm out of jail, am I? I'm out of jail. Joe, Joe but you're, you're going back into jail because I have some questions. I um, would love to hear your questions, Luke. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. Uh, James, so with regards to your book, right? So what would you say if you... This is absolutely putting you on the spot here. If you had to say what is the, the real underlying message of your book, what would you say it is? Like what what if you had to say it in one sentence roughly... What you, if someone reads it, they go, I'm going to read that book and get what? The first thing that came to my head is something which is literally, it's on the back of the book, you know, when you get like a kind of overview and it says, um, I'm trying to remember which way way around it is. I think it's like, yeah, recovery is always possible and hope is never far away. So it's taken from the book and um yeah i think that's kind of sums it up quite well because Mm. it it teaches people who are still recovering that you know hopefully after reading it they'll they'll think oh i've got this and have some motivation um and yeah it's 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 hard when you have a an illness like psychosis because it kind of really derails you and like it almost makes you believe that you're not going to recover and it gives you like low confidence low self-esteem um so it's like kind of trying to give people that you know message like the sort of hope and inspiration essentially yeah james i have to be honest that is a incredible message and for anyone out there if there's one mantra to, to live your life by if you are struggling and to cling on to i, I definitely think it's what you've just said so mm-hmm. so thank you for that um james i, I suppose whilst it's been super in, insightful to understand the, the the lead up to the book i think what people would also love to hear is what's happened almost post the book and where, where you're at mm. today and, and how you live your live your life today potentially with, with the the illness that you have or have you overcome it is it something that you have to manage on a daily basis what what, what does everyday life look for you look like for you now and and and, and how has it affected where, where you are today 
Yeah, so I, I take medication still, which um, to me is a lifeline. So I take a, an antipsychotic every evening, mm -hmm. which um, does wonders for me because it slows my brain down and it stops me having racing thoughts and intrusive thoughts like before um, bed. So without the medication, I would really struggle to sleep. So it kind of regulates my sleep as well. Um, it's probably like the, I don't know, fourth or fifth type of medication of its kind which I've tried where it's been the right formula but before that like it wasn't it was like too sedating and I had to keep trying new things um mm -hmm. so yeah that kind of allows me to like live the life I live um yeah so yeah I, I work full-time and um that's really really good because I guess like when I was ill I, I part of me thought like am I ever going to get that back again like the, the job and stuff and um but I'm having a, a good year I'm, I'm getting married in October this year so that's something I'm congratulations really congratulations, congratulations. Um, the invite yeah, calls, yeah. Me. <laughs> exactly. yeah, um yeah that's like the kind of it's been a it's it's a good year for me in terms of getting the book out and then mm. ending the year with the, the wedding and stuff um so yeah i just i try and be really kind of grateful for what i've got but also i've I've had the lessons with the relapse like to not take being healthy for granted and like to try mm. and keep learning and keep like being open-minded because i don't want to fall into the trap of thinking oh i'm i'm better now like i, I just because mm. I, I i i'm still vulnerable to getting ill again as is everyone so yeah, it's yeah. Like, yeah, just trying to stay well and trying to stay happy. I think what was once said to me actually was um, a lot of mental health in general, you learn to live with it rather than sort of get away from it. So instead of instead of trying to cure it, you have to learn to be able to manage and live with it day to day because it's not just something that you can flick a switch and turn off. But it is certainly something that if you look after it in the right way and you look after your mind and you keep, like you said, whether, whether it's medication, whether it's talking therapies, whether it's coping mechanisms, you know, mm -hmm. being able to take that and put it into your day-to-day -day life is kind of how a lot of people find the end goal. I think, I think one thing that a lot of people think is, well, when am I going to get better? Do you know what I mean? Um, and I don't think it's as easy as just, oh, all of a sudden I'm better. It's yeah. finding the mechanisms, like you said, finding the books, finding the inspirational quotes, finding the things that work for you. Is it the therapy of writing? Is it the therapy of, for me, music, you know? Um, and I think... Yeah, what I, that, yeah go live. What, what I think about that, actually, it's it's like m many things in life. Like, for example, if we... If we um, look at it like success for example any success and i'm going to sound so cheesy here so any com <laughs> comments of calling me a what's it or whatever like i'm not taking it um so, so just like any success or achieving anything especially with your mental health it's not about the destination you don't get mm. to a point of i am cured you have to constantly think i'm on this journey and every day is another step in that journey and once you this is only me speaking from my experience. I am certainly not a medical professional. 
Hmm. Ethan, can you just confirm for the guests I'm not a medical professional <laughs> and a marine biologist as well, just, just for clarification. I, I can confirm that Lewis is not a marine biologist, he's not a medical professional, and he no longer plays for Plymouth Argyle Football Club. <laughs> Thank you. Just in case anyone had had forgotten that. Um, I have definitely lost my trailer thought there. So yeah, yeah. With, with that in mind, it's it's more about accepting so for me i'm in a place now where i accept i have um things that i have to deal with day to day mm. and it's not about me get thinking by the 7th of march or the 10th of july or whatever i'm going to f- finish the end goal because like you said james you can't ever let your brain think i am cured I, I can walk away from this. I can stop the medication. I can stop talking openly and honestly with my friends, family, loved ones. And, and I can just move on with my life as if this never happened. This is now a part of you. This is who you are. It's your DNA. It's your makeup. It, it's your personality. It's your persona. It's all those sorts of things. And I think part of, as Joe alluded to there, living your, your life with it is that acceptance that your life is probably always going to involve an element of this. Mm. It's just how you nurture, de- develop it, support it um, in the best way to, to still have that balance of being healthy and, and managing some of the, the things going on in your head. Yeah, definitely. Sorry, James. No, you go yeah, ahead. No, no. Yeah, James, you go ahead. I know. I was just going to say, I think, because um, I used to, like when I first got ill, I thought I was going to recover from it like you recover from the flu, like I was going to be yeah. rid of it. Yeah. Um, it. It took me a long time to kind of accept the fact that it's part of me. And uh, mm-hmm. I used to think it was the enemy. And um, that's kind of where the title of the book came up because it's like I had to just embrace it and befriend it. And mm. it, at one point I just stopped, I just started thinking, well, there's no point in trying to fight it and like trying to resist it. I might as well just accept it as part of me and make like make the mm. most of it. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I I feel lucky because I'm I'm able to manage it with medication and like. But I've met others like there was other people who were on the ward who are like far more like unwell than than I was, and mm. I kind of I know I've got like a. Um, a group I play football with, which is like a mental health football group, and it's like a mm. once once a week thing. And there's um, guys from that group who are like either currently struggling or have done, and I feel like have been through worse than I have. And I just I feel lucky that I can live my life, and I just I make the small adjustment of taking the medita- medication, and it's like you know I could mm. be a lot worse. I'm just really grateful. Mm. I think a lot of what you uh, what you have experienced, though, you now are sharing to help others. So mm-hmm. it's not just you that's lucky. It's other people that's lucky that people like yourself are willing to speak about it. Because, yeah, like agree. we said, if, if there's people in worse positions than yourself, like you said, which the you know there's always going to be someone out there who's experiencing it worse than yourself. If there's people like yourself that can speak about it, maybe that will help them learn more for sure um 
And that leads on to my actual uh, final question for you, James, which would be, um, what is your advice to others who are struggling with mental health? Do you have any, like, I know we touched a little bit earlier with what Ethan asked about, well, is there any books that you would like to mention or anything like that? But if you were to sort of, let's say your friend comes up to you who's never said anything in regards to, like, mental health, you weren't understanding that they were struggling, and they said, you know what, James, I'm really struggling, what, what advice would you give us? Yeah, I feel there's a lot of routes I could go down, like a lot of different things I can mm. say. But um, mm. yeah, I feel like when you're going through something, and if if you don't, if you keep it to yourself, like it it might get a bit worse, a bit better, but it'll probably just stay the same. But whereas if mm. if you kind of seek help, I feel like that's the route where <clears throat> it will get better. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. So I guess it's like kind of having an open mind and like kind of it depends what it is obviously like kind of yeah doing, doing some research and getting some professional advice um and I guess trying to also learn like what keeps you well like things like yeah. for me like exercise keeps me well and eating mm-hmm. healthy and like not drinking too much alcohol and I do like yoga and meditation as much as possible um yeah, and it depends on the person as well, like, because yeah. mm-hmm. something that works for me won't work for everyone. Um, so, yeah, it's like I, kind of finding your I do think it's in- interesting what you've just said, though, because all of us feel better when our diet's cleaner. All of yeah. us feel better when we exercise. All of mm-hmm. us feel better when we don't drink alcohol. Yet society... And, and, and it's probably like we've talked on the podcast around work-life balance. So work-life balance... We're, because we're all so focused on and the things like cost of living and whatever, we've got to work as hard as we can so we can afford to provide for our families, our home, all that sort of mm. stuff. So so then we don't have the time to exercise maybe as much. And then we don't have the time to prepare our meals correctly. And then it comes to a weekend and we're so stressed and our, and our brains are just in like knots of, um, we, we're just so full and we actually, we look for that release. And instead of looking for a healthy release, so in society, most people are going, well, actually, you know what? I'm just going to blow off a load of steam. I'm going to drink a load of alcohol and that's going to be that's going to be me. And then I'm going to roll back into Monday and do it all over again. Um, so so where you're saying potentially it doesn't that there's not a one size fits all for everyone. And I do agree with that. So certain situations, maybe that isn't the answer for people. But I think having that solid base of doing the doing the things that we know make most people happy, exercising, healthier diet, mm. cutting out alcohol. If you're doing drugs, get off the drugs. If you're in debt, mm. start trying to pay your debt off. If you're gambling, stop gambling. If you're if you're doing whatever bad habit that doesn't make you happy and doesn't bring good things out of your life, then I'd address that you have a problem and try and stop it. And, and really simplify your life. I feel like a common theme through the conversations we've had, and we ha- certainly haven't touched upon everything, there seems to be that solid base of those few things can make a hugely profound difference in someone's life and take mm. them from maybe being at that really, really um, high point of, of pain anxiety stress uh, and their their mental illness maybe being at its at its peak to something that's maybe a little bit more manageable and controllable to go about their everyday life and and live a more fulfilled life 
and it's really positive to hear that that's actually that's what you do day-to-day life um and especially like the football for example we've spoke about this on the podcast we we started a football team job was actually our first manager he was horrendous but he was our uh, highest, first win manager. Percentage, highest win percentage highest win percentage i'll have you he was our first manager and i think that's really important because sport exercise especially if you do it in a team and it's incredible that you're in a team that has that sort of purpose um allows people to to socialize some of the things that they are are maybe struggling with mm-hmm. and get help without necessarily happening to open up. Yeah. Yeah, Ethan, I think you had a point there. It looked like you were about to jump in. Uh, yeah, no, I was just saying, I was going to say the, the endorphin side of things is massive for me. So um, myself and Lou had a, a chat with one of his friends earlier who's um, an Olympian. And we were just saying the benefits, you know, of, of going out and, and doing sports, whether that's football, whether that's going to the gym, weightlifting, whether that's going on a cycle or even going um, for a coffee and, and a walk, with, which, you know, is, is like hidden exercise. So me and my, yeah, yeah, my good friends, Ryan, we do them quite frequently. I've done one with Lewis not long ago. So it gets endorphins pumping and you feel so much better for it. Um, and, yeah, mm. you might ache, you know, the first couple of walks you go on the first time you play football. You know, you're hurt the next day, but it, it's so much worth it. Mm. And one of our guys, Dean, as well, he plays for something called Man V Fact. Um, I don't know if that's something that they have down your neck of the woods, James, but it, it's something where he's found a big release being a bigger lad like myself, um, like Lewis, like Joby. Um, you know, we're all big lads. We embrace it, but we love our football. You know, Joby's big into the UFC and he used to be like Taekwondo yeah. champion or something like that. He used to beat people up for fun, I heard. I'm not something taking like that. That. I, I, that is a, a totally made up accolade, but I yeah. have always been. And I'm not taking that I'm a big lad. Yeah, I'm I was gonna say. I've <laughs> seen Lewis last Saturday. He is a big lad now, but um, I'm Lewis... definitely put on the weight. <laughs> but the thing is, you know, we all get these releases, and it's it's just a credit that there are organisations out there. And I just want to sort of go back to the point that if people are struggling, you don't want to speak to GP. You know, you don't want to mm. you don't want to read the books. You don't want to listen to podcasts. If sports your way out find the group, find the, whether to kick about yeah. the park with your pals, whether it's man v fat, you know, go to the gym, go for a walk. I'm, I definitely think that that's something that people should be involved in. And yeah. you'll feel better for it, trust us. You know, money back mm. guarantees, they say. <laughs> <laughs> Is that on everyone who exercises if they don't feel better? Yeah. You will refund yeah. everyone. I will refund test. them. I will refund them via a uh, high five a crisp high five that's what you get sounds good, five five. Sounds good. No, that but sounds no james great. has been really really eye-opening james and i appreciate you sort of having this chat with us and, and you know i'm looking yeah, forward for to sure. getting my eyes on your book as well you know what i mean yeah yeah Thank james, so james I'd, be, I'd be really interested in because you have a really cool job i think and your job is super okay. impactful in terms of the things you're probably involved in day to day and it, it absolutely coincides with your your purpose for your book do you mind just telling us a little bit about what you actually do in your day job because i think so for example a lot of us work for a unnamed telecoms business <laughs> slash technology business um ee to, to be fair um and what whilst like we all absolutely love our jobs of course yeah. we do it doesn't actually necessarily align to our, our purpose and our cause for this. 
So I, I want to get that across that you aren't just an author who has gone through a personal experience in your own life. You're actually an author who's wrote an incredible book who actually gets to see the impact of the theories that you've spoken about in your lived experiences with other people struggling too. Yeah, it's, um, I'm really, I feel really lucky to be in my job, like, cause it, I'm using my degree and also using the, the lived experience and it's something I'm very passionate about. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, it's quite a mouthful of a title, but it's, um, senior wellbeing access and marketing officer. Um, so I, I update the charity's website and do the social media posts, which um, I really enjoy because it's, again, I, I get to use my writing and be creative with the social media events, for example, and um, like we make videos as well. Um, I get to go to events, like we have like stalls, like in, um, like, you know, when you get like an event in the park and things like that. And, yeah. like, and I get to sort of like, do a few presentations like sort of PowerPoint presentations to local community groups, which are really nice as well. Cause I can kind of talk yeah. about my lived experience a little bit, which um, kind of helps make it more authentic, I guess. Mm, and yeah. Um, there's, yeah, it's, it's a, a very varied job and it's, um, it's a nice place to be cause like everyone's very passionate about the cause and, like we champion lived experience as well like yeah. some of my colleagues have got their own conditions and mm. so like we learn from each other and um yeah the lived experience is really at like at heart of what we do so we try and get the people who use our services we try and get them involved as well through like feedback panels mm. and focus groups and interviews and stuff and so yeah it's, it's a really good job so um yeah i feel very kind of lucky to be doing it and like uh it's a it's a sort of job where like i don't get the sunday blues as well like i kind of love what <laughs> i do which is, i think it's important because you careers last i don't know like 50 years or whatever so it's like mm. you want to make the most of of it like try and do what you enjoy yeah it sounds super rewarding actually it sounds really rewarding mm -hmm. yeah thank you it definitely uh, is. yeah it, it really does um I suppose what would be really interesting for me is when obviously we're talking about mental health, we're talking about men's health, we're talking about um, the, the things that that we think men should do in order to overcome their challenges, to to get the help that they truly need. If you were to to summarize the key things that that if you if you came across someone who um was struggling with mental health where do you where do you think sort of the, the key places people can go for help so is it things like the gp should they be speaking to to counselors uh, what in, in from especially from your professional experience as well what can people do if they're struggling with mental health yeah so i the gp is definitely one option which is good yeah um there's other like nhs kind of uh solutions which aren't the gp like um the nhs um kind of trust like uh in my location do like these free webinars where like yeah uh you attend subjects like dealing, dealing with depression like managing anxiety understanding anger and like all sorts of different topics um and like you can do 
talking therapies like CBT, which is uh, yeah. cognitive behavior therapy, which I've done as well, um, mm-hmm. which was another real like game changer, eye opener for me. Um, I think everyone should do CBT. I think it's amazing. Um, I agree. <laughs> I really do. Yeah, I haven't actually done CBT. I don't think. Ah, oh, honestly, changed my life. Change when I still use it to this day. I still use it to this day, and I, I kind of similar what you were saying earlier, James, about the the medication being sort of your your way of learning to sort of live and and be lucky enough to find that that thing that works for you to be able to sort of live your day day to day life with not having to worry about sort of having any episodes or anything. CBT I have once a week and I have for years and years and years, and it almost has became my medication if that makes sense. Just yeah. that release of being able to speak to someone and and being able to evaluate sort of what my counselor does with myself, and I, I don't want to go too deep into it, but basically things like probabilities versus reality and, and having that way of kind of training your brain to understand your mental health more. And I think talking about it does that as well having friends who you can talk to having like you said a support network in your in your life is great but having a professional who can break it down to you on a personal level because as you said earlier everyone's different and having someone to be able to make it personal for yourself really was the biggest difference for for me and I go back to what I said earlier about my my biggest fear was not being normal and mm-hmm. CBT kind of showed me, look, you're not the only person. You, this is normal. It's not. We are our not, own normal, aren't we? Yeah, it's not. It's okay to yeah. not be okay. You know, that's that's the biggest thing I took from it. So, I think CBT is something that everyone should try for sure. Definitely, yeah. I I always say I'd rather be like weird than normal because normal's like <laughs> boring, isn't it? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very true. Unique and quirky and stuff but yeah yeah it um it, it reframes what i was um thinking like so half my sessions i think i cried at some point which like it was yeah. good to normalize that just to be able to For sure cry as a man but um yeah it made me realize i was trying to like deal with stress and uncertainty by like avoiding it all the time and it made me realize that actually if i kind of learn to cope with it more it instead of like trying to run away from it that was like better in the long term um yeah and they, yeah it was like a because i used to be very self critic as well i used to be very harsh myself and mm. and it was like kind of figuring out how 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 can i be more like self-compassionate so um it's you learn so much in it like and it's and it stays with you so it's so worth yeah. doing that's amazing yeah, no, it, it really, really is. Um, James, it has been an absolute pleasure. Um, I think Ethan Lovely. has one more question. So this is the the final part of our podcast that Ethan likes to, to do with every single guest and <laughs> us occasionally. Um, no pressure here, but Ethan will remember this full interview based on what you reply here. So no <laughs> pressure. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> So what we tend, I know we've covered it a little bit during the interview, but what we tend to ask our guests is a section called See No Evil, Hear No Evil. Um, it's a film from the 1980s or 1990s, I believe, 
But basically, what we ask <laughs> is that our guests give us a book or podcast that has defined their journey so far. Whether that's obviously the books that you read earlier on, which I know you've mentioned, you can repeat them, or something that you've come to that's come to light recently. You know, oh, could even be your own book. Yeah, your could be your book. Your book. It's definitely, so James, it's definitely your book, James. James, if you want to, if you want to tell the audience about a, a certain book or podcast, I feel bad. Me. Like my own book, it just it feels like it should be a, a like I can't. We're not do allowed that to one. do that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We let you. Yeah, don't worry, James. We'll we'll allow it this time. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you want me to say where it's like available and stuff? Like, oh, I'd love, yeah. That. I'd yeah. love yeah. that. Yeah, go for yeah. that. But, well, um, what's the, what is the book again? Sorry. So, what is the book, and why should people read it again? And where can they buy yeah. it? Would be would be the questions. That's so. good. It's called um, "The Friend of My Brain," and yeah, it's um, a mental illness memoir, which um, I think it has the potential to help anyone who reads it, regardless of whether they're mm. um, going through a mental health condition themselves or not you'll get something out of it and um it's on amazon in paperback form or ebook so like kindle um mm-hmm. and it's also on the waterstones website and uh i'm currently doing the audiobook version of it so i was like, just gonna say any chance yeah, of an audiobook <laughs> that'll be I, I don't know when like later this year it'll be out but it's um my friends helped me do it and it's it's very challenging, to say the least, trying to record an audio. Yeah. Game. Are you are you self narrating it? I am. Yeah. Um, apart I from the that. the bits which, so there's like chats with other people in the book. Yeah. So like, two out of three of them are voicing themselves, and then my friend who's helping oh, yeah. me do the recording stuff, he's done all the doctor's notes. Oh, I love that in the book. So yeah, he's almost like voice of the doctors and yeah well i want a copy of that so you'll have to email us or something when it comes out an audio book because i'm not going to lie to you mm-hmm. i am terrible at reading books i am um, my my brain just goes everywhere i just have the attention span of a gerbil for most times so it doesn't matter how good the book is how much i love the person i really find it hard to read books but audio books i listen to every night absolutely yeah, every night yeah, um so i would absolutely love a copy of that yeah, definitely send it. Amazing, top man. And if you want to add something towards the end of it about a certain podcast with two <laughs> okay, with, with 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 two okay looking men and one really mm. handsome man with great hair, you can do that as well. If you want, James. Don't worry, I don't have any hair, mate. <laughs> I don't have any hair. He was talking about me, Lewis. It's been the, the. To be fair, right? There's three of us that have lost our hair. Job's just in denial because he's got a cap on. No, that's, no, that's no, no, point. no. There's there's a full... Honestly, if I took this off, James, you would see, like... Do you know Jason Momoa? You would oh, see luscious locks just drop down, and that's all you need to know. That's all. <laughs> to be fair, I, got, I thought it was Jason Momoa on my top right screen when I first came on. I haven't seen ah, that yeah. long. To be fair, a lot of people do con- uh, mistake us for him, so I understand why. Ethan. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, thanks. It's an awkward one to end on there, James. <laughs> <laughs> but no, James, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. I, yeah, I know I, I've personally been. learned a lot. Um, and I'm pr- imagining my co-hosts here probably have learned a lot as well. Yeah. Uh, what I would say, James, I find you 
incredibly inspirational. What you've done by writing a book and speaking out has been nothing short of of, of brave and yeah. One, I've already ordered the book and I'm I'm super excited to to read it. Um, and just keep doing what you're doing. I'm I'm sure we will probably have you on as a guest in the future again to hear mm. about how well the book's going and um as we delve further and, and more into some of the topics that that we're talking about you're a huge credit to 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 men who have survived uh, a men mental illness and i actively encourage anyone who is either struggling with mental health or is in a relationship or know someone who is to buy james's book because it sounds like it's going to be something that will massively help you um on the journey that you're on Thank you so much. I want to say the same to you as well in terms of keep doing what you're doing. Like this is an amazing podcast, so it's it's so nice to be part of it. And uh, I look forward to listening to the future episodes. Well, Fantastic. thank you very much. It was lovely Top having you, James. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Well, guys, we just had James on the podcast. There, that was a really, really incredible episode where James absolutely opened up about his own experience and I thought it was really brave of him. Yeah, same. Yeah, he's Excellent a brave guess. guy to be fair. Yeah. Yeah. He's got a, he's he's gone through the mill, like to be fair to him. Like he, he's not not shy to open up, which is you don't really see that these days, but the sort of guests who want on really people who we're gonna learn from and you know the fact that he's come out the other end and wrote a book, you know, to help others, it's putting in the format what we want to do, you know, help everyone else. Um, yeah. Really good guy. Yeah, it was also nice of you, Lewis, to bring on your twin brother as well on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> if to be fair. It's Lewis's I couldn't tell he's apart half the time. To be fair, if Job took his cap off, right? If Job it's took Momoa. his cap off. Jason Momoa, you've heard it. You've heard if it. If Jason yeah. Momoa took his cap off yeah, yeah, and yeah. stopped being in denial about the fact he'd lost his hair. And I uh, can't wait until we have an episode where we bring someone in to talk about hair loss. And I definitely <laughs> have a guest lined up. I'm gone. I'm gone. I'm gone. <laughs> You're going to have to come on it. Not all of us have the locks of, of Ethan Rowan. That's true. Yeah, That's I true. do have wicked hair. It's the only thing I've got going for is my hair, though. As, Rich, as Richie Anderson politely tells us every time I see him. <laughs> Yeah, it's oh, true. God. It is probably the only thing you yeah. have going for you, and that's <laughs> you for twelve years. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. I like that. By but by, by the way, um, the guest James, what a guy! Uh, yeah. I'm a bit gutted I didn't get a chance to really speak to him either. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for that. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't well, get a word in for half an hour. I was for the first half. I was the first half. Well, the first half felt like Job had just met his new best friend, which mm -hmm. was great. And I, and I think it it really did help that the conversation flow, except that it was only flowing one way. <laughs> My way. <laughs> yeah, the Job way. Um, Job that's definitely something we can we can work on in time. I want to give James the credit here, though. Like we, we've had a good bit of a laugh there. James had a really powerful message, right? I mm. think what was really key to what James said is, if you're struggling was the message I got from it that you have to speak up so so he mentioned oh. around a problem shared is a problem problem halved Ethan I believe he may have got that with the Ethan Rowan uh, quote book <laughs> from one of our early episodes 
100%. It's something that I know you're super passionate about and you've helped me through some of my um, my struggles in the past and, it, and it's something that you've always said to me. What what was the things that stuck in your heads the most, boys, from, from the podcast tonight? Well, I'll let Ethan speak first since he uh, is crying about how much he spoke today. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, it's, uh, it's a first that you're letting someone else speak, Joe. Thank you. <laughs> No, yeah, I think it's a different kind of uh, mental health battle that I've not really experienced. So, obviously, it's something where he's had to have help done by other people, you know, and it's been bad for me and it's been bad for for us guys. But I've never said, I know I've had really dark thoughts, Job. I know you've mentioned it as well, but we've never got to the point where we've had to be forcibly, potentially. I say committed, but that's probably what the scenario was. Um, it sounds like a harsh yeah, term, he said but that's where he was at. And yeah, James did to say hear that. that. He, he did, he did, and credit room to do that, you know, and to be honest, I think it's it's something we've not dealt with, but to see that spectrum and mm-hmm. then know the fact that he's come out and then he's he, now he's an author, he's wrote it down. For me, mm-hmm. that just showed char- character and, you know, it, it gives hope to, to anyone who's having those sort of thoughts. So, no credit to James on that side of things for sure. What about you, Joby? I know you're dying yeah. to talk now. <laughs> I've been itching, literally. Um, no, for sure. Honestly, what a guy. What an absolute guy. Um, I think what I took from it most as well is is the fact that he has learned to live with it after such a, a hard experience, you know. Mm-hmm. It, there's, a, there's a sense of relief to know that someone's been through something. If, if, I know it's not the same as what we've been through or what the same of what many others might have been through, but it has its relatability in the sense of, you know, going through a mental battle, going through a um, psychosis, being sectioned, all that kind of stuff. There is ways to deal with it and there is ways to continue your life and live your life going forward. And I think that's a powerful message for me, especially. I've felt as though it's a little bit extra reassurance to know that, I'm you can do okay. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of people will probably get that as well. So what a guy. What a guy. Lou? Yeah. Yeah. Just to, to finish on that point, I think it's super inspirational and it's something that I'm hoping we get week on week, whether we, we're talking to survivors, we're talking to, to doctors, we're talking to speakers, experts, athletes, whoever, that no matter what you're going through in life, in my head, the worst thing you can do is take your own life. Men are three times more likely to commit suicide than women. Mm. And that is a huge underlying problem for men. Heading into next week's episode, we are going to be speaking to an expert in all things suicide. And James's story tonight has proven to me that no matter how bad life gets, take action, speak up, find help, don't do something that you might not be here to regret. Yeah. And that's exactly. a powerful message. I will end this podcast now because it's a Monday. The Last of Us is out. I don't know why yeah. we do it on a Monday when The Last of Us is streaming. But uh, I hope everyone has a great week. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the Everyman Podcast. Tune in next yeah. week. We'll have more weird guests and we'll have more weird banter. You take care. Stay classy, San Diego. Thank you. Bye-bye. I love that.